Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. As you know, each week I share some thoughts and another week I like to bring on guests that I really love, respect, or touch my life in some way. And I've really been looking forward to having my uh, guest on today. Uh, She's the author of Born to be Free, and a book I really enjoyed uh, about a year ago when I was turned on to some of her work, How to Be a Spiritual Rebel. And so for those of you that are rebels out there in the world, uh, I think this is going to be a deep dive. So open your hearts, get ready for this week's Soul Talk conversation with uh, the spiritual leader and teacher, Jack O'Keefe. Jack, welcome. Thank you, Coop. Thanks for the chance for sitting and hanging out chatting with you. Looking forward to it. I'm always curious, you know, how folks got started down the spiritual path. Um, Everyone seems to have a different uh, experience in some way in terms of maybe something that triggered it, a pain, a trauma. Uh, I know you're a spiritual teacher. So I'm always curious too, um, were you always this way? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What what was your childhood like? What was your, what, what leads to an awakening, you know, uh, yeah. this yeah. deep insight. Um, I'm just fascinated. I, I would love to kind of understand, like, what led up to it, what was going on, what were you doing before? Was it radically different, especially mm-hmm. for those that, that may not know your work? And and were you a seeker as a kid, you know, your parents? Yeah. Just kind of give me a bit yeah. of background. I think one of the keys that's coming through your question there is that every path is different. Mm. And, you know, while in scripture and in New Age teachings and in the commercial side of spirituality and even in meditation styles, it's like, do this and you will attain. Do this and this will happen. And it's a load of crap, you know, because what worked for me might or might not work. But Mm. we got to try these things. Mm. And it's the willingness to try everything that's the key to to attaining inner freedom. Mm. And for me, I was reared on a a dairy farm. Uh, So there was a strong work ethic from the get-go and connection to nature was there. And that was hugely important, the connection to nature. When I look back now, it was established pretty early. Mm. And uh, when I was 19, I was um, sexually assaulted. It's funny. It's funny. I'm not comfortable with the word rape, but it was a rape. So that's something that's on my own edge right now mm. Mm. is I was raped when I was 19 and it threw me into psychotherapy because I couldn't function. And that psychotherapy was so worth that it. it was actually worth the rape. I can say mm. that now, you know, and I could see it maybe 10 years after the rape. It's like 
oh my God, I saw how my soul's journey had to be pushed into doing deep, deep healing work. Mm-hmm. And I started that at 19. And that, that um, love of my human growth has stayed with me. And I'm so grateful for learning that my human evolution can never be denied, never be dismissed, never be, never be overridden. Uh, um, and there's an intimacy with my human evolution that has been critical. And the thread got ignited like 19. I'm 54 now. So it's like there's a lot of growth in there and it's ongoing and will be for as long as my heart beats. Yeah. Yeah. And and awakening and abiding in, in the stillness that's outside of the movie doesn't interfere with, doesn't negate, but it holds the space for mm. that human evolution. Mm. They're, they're not a contradiction to each other. And I know, I know a lot of people have said to me, yeah, but the suffering stops when you awaken. It's like, well, the context is different. Mm. It's held within a deeper knowing of what you really are. Access to that stillness, living, breathing that inner depth all day, every day. And from there, from there, your human evolution, your growth, the glitches, the conflicts, you can see them from a different perspective. Mm. So that was kicking in in my early 20s. And then when I was 30, out of the blue, wham, bam, my third eye opened. I saw I was an atheist and advocating atheism, and I saw dead people everywhere. Like, and did I, it just it just happened one day. It just like? happened on a Sunday afternoon, having lunch. I lifted my head, and I saw dead people, and I I thought I was tripping because I was a drug user, casual recreational, um, and so I was like, okay, this I'm like this is not funny. This is not funny. Who slipped me something? Because I was huh. with some friends, and of course. They hadn't, you know, we didn't mess around in that way. Um, and so, and so I, I was caught in this sense of, all right, I'm having an experience, which is completely the antithesis of what I believe. Mm. And what can I do with this? I'm not going crazy. I'm too grounded. I'm a farmer's daughter and I'm very connected to the earth. I'm grounded. And there's something mm. very, um, supportive of of common sense in my system where do i put this where do i put this dead people hanging everywhere where do i put this beings talking to me and and wanting to give messages to other people who are living and my attitude was like would you go away stop bothering me go away you belong to another dimension go away (laughs) and then of course i learned how to open my heart and say okay well what is going on here Mm. what is going on between these other dimensions that are not physical and ours. What is the relationship? And my own human development went on a whole other track mm. of looking at where were, were there limitations in my mind that were influencing how I perceived the world, mm. how I understood who I was. And really looking back now, the wisdom of having my third eye open and being able to see past lives and our soul's journey and chakra systems and all of that jazz, being able to see all of that, what was happening was that the limitations of my thinking were being blown out. Mm. 
that's what it was for. It wasn't for gifts or to make a career out of it. Or it was a tool for my own growth, for me to find freedom inside. It's the only gig in town. It's for us to awaken. And can we help others as we do so? Hey, there's the greatest purpose of all. It's the greatest purpose of all, you know? So that led me to um, changing my whole life, my career, from being an arts consultant to a ghostbuster, to a healer, to uh, using sound as a healing modality, working with a psychiatric team to look at people who were having spiritual emergencies that were diagnosed as psychiatric illnesses, but actually it was a spiritual awakening that wasn't able to be housed in their body. So I spent a few years looking at psychiatric illness in that way, especially psychosis or what was being called bipolar, um, misdiagnosis. Very often it's, it's people who are awakened are being put on meds because there's no context to hold when we leave, hold the experience when we get out of our mind. Right. <laughs> you know, get, I was out of my mind. It's like, yeah, but where were you? What was that like? And can you bring the wisdom of that back into your life? Mm. And so that became really interesting to me. So I'm in my early 30s now. And then one day it's like, I'm not growing anymore. I'm not learning anymore. So I closed down my busy practice. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not I like I can keep doing this work. But I'm not going deeper inside. I'm not seeing new things. And I know there's more. Mm. And then it felt like I was being pushed. I was never really looking for anything, Coot. I wasn't a seeker. I felt I was being pushed. I remember I used to say things like, it's like a, there's a, a big double-decker bus behind me. or there's, It's like there's a high-speed train behind me, pushing me. I'm being pushed forward to something. And friends would say, yeah, but where is there a destination i'm like i have no clue but looking back now the train stopped the push stopped and peace and rest came it came i disconnected from life left everything as so many of us do left everything sold everything gave it away all the usual stripping down abandoning everything walking away from marriage and family the whole lot and went to india and spent um, a lot of time in silence and mm. all the time in spiritual practice, watching my thoughts. What is this mind? What is it? Because it's a tool and it's not who I am and I no longer believe it. And then something happened. Well, several experiences happened, but one significant one happened where I could feel a change in my brain. Mm. And now we know several years later, it has become more widespread that that awakening has to do with a neurological shift. Mm. And instead of viewing everything in the world from self-referencing network, so we unconsciously, I'm talking to you, but this is really about me. What do you think of me? And am I okay? And will I still be loved? And so we run every interaction through the impact that it has on me. And that's a part of our brain that I wish we didn't use in that way because it's not necessary. Wouldn't it be wonderful, actually, if we, if we could put into our education system lessons and practices on how to use the mind correctly, yeah. how to pick it up and set it down? 
And I felt I was learning that. I'm like, oh, what if I perceive and it's not about me? How do I stop that? And so, sure, we do through spiritual practice. Observe your thoughts. Don't buy into them. Respond. Don't react. Stop defending yourself. Stop protecting yourself. Let the shit hit the fan and see what happens then. Don't control the outcome. Mm. And so these spiritual practices kicked in, sure, until this change came in on my brain. And mm. I stopped looking at the world from the little me perspective. Mm. Huge fear came up because, of course, I'm losing control. I'm going to end up in a psychiatric hospital in South of India, which is not a good experience <laughs> for anybody. All right. If that's what asked of me, what's asked of me, I'll say yes to that too. Mm. And so there it was. A period began of where thinking stopped. Mm. Nighttime dreams stopped. Daydreams stopped. I couldn't think. I was completely present. I didn't know I couldn't think because I couldn't even have that thought. And when you say you couldn't, just, just before you continue, when you couldn't think, it was just like blank, just no thoughts, like I'm no hungry, thoughts. I'm hungry, I need to get some water, I need No to thoughts. There was an automatic functioning that happened. No automatic functioning that happened. And so when hunger would arise, there would be a movement towards preparing food. Mm. It, it seemed to happen without my mind Mm. trying to figure it out and be in control of sorting out my needs. Mm. Something else was taking care of itself. And it really, looking back, it, it gave me so much evidence that being present is actually all we need. Being present is all we need. Now, there was a dysfunction in place because I wasn't able to chit-chat. <laughs> I, I'd forgotten how to like engage Many things were going on and I didn't notice them because functioning was what was happening and there was abiding presence. Uh, I don't know. I was aware of an abiding presence, I guess. Mm. I remember then being with somebody and like, how do people chit-chat? Oh, that's a thought. I'm asking how do people chit-chat? Oh, that's interesting. Ah, oh, okay. Hmm. Okay, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I haven't engaged in this activity for a long time. And then I started to notice that there had been, because when there's no thoughts, you don't know there's no thoughts. And so while many of us say, my mind never stops, it's relentless. It's like, actually, when it stops, you don't know it stops. There's loads of gaps of where it's still and calm and you're in your natural state. It's just that you don't notice there those because... And this is for everyone. It's for everyone. Everyone, everyone has this experience. Everybody has yeah, those experiences. For the, for the folks that might say, well, I'm not enlightened, but they're still having that, 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 that Oh, yeah. Huge gaps. Everybody has gaps where you, where you, our mind joins the dots between suffering and suffering or crazy thoughts and crazy thoughts. And it imagines that it's a continuous experience and it's not at all. Mm. But when you're not running a me story, there's no me there to register it. There's no me there to enjoy it in the same way. And this is why awakening, abiding awakening, enlightenment is kind of a raw deal <laughs> because you don't get yourself there to enjoy it. You see that 
yourself was ever only a concoction of thoughts. So it's a bit of a raw deal, you know? Right. <laughs> you know? So why it gets so commercialized as this wonderful thing beats me, you know? That's kind of a different version of, I don't know, of playing with spirit. But spirituality for me is about the death of thinking. So in terms of enlightenment, because that, 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 that word is thrown around a lot these yeah. days, right? It just it is. Especially now, it's become more and more popular. It's a, it's a yeah. sexy thing. Oh, enlightenment, enlightenment. And so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a raw deal, but it's been thrown around in a certain way. And so it feels like there's so many misconceptions around there are enlightenment. There. And so I'm curious, as you're sharing your story, could you just speak to what enlightenment is? Or, or maybe demystify uh, enlightenment for folks as we're having the conversation to create a bit of a context, enlightenment, awakening. Are they yeah. the same thing? Are, they, are we using them as the same thing or are they actually different? And, and just kind of create a context as we're having the conversation. Yeah. yeah. So awakening, mm. it's a verb, awakening. So we can have awakening experiences and the process of awakening is ongoing. And I like that it's a verb because it allows for a deeper seeing of truth, an ongoing process. So when we look at awakening, there's no goal, there's no destination. And enlightenment is when mm. an, a state of not believing your thoughts and hopefully losing the capability to believe your thoughts. When that has stabilized in your body, mind, neurology at a cellular level, enlightenment, yeah, enlightenment has happened. But to say enlightenment happened to me, it's like, hmm, enlightenment is that I saw that the me was, was a survival mechanism and not who I was. And, and, and more integrated operating system functions now. And my mind is picked up and set down and my body is picked up and set down. And there is a recognition that my mind is creating all of this movie in front of me, that manifestation is happening. And really, my individual body-mind mechanism is part of a unit. And even that unit, there is an awareness where, where that doesn't exist either. And so enlightenment can bring up fear for people. Yeah, because you won't be there. You're not there. Who you've been supporting, defending, actually isn't there. Isn't there beyond the thought that it exists. When you don't think about the me, it's not anywhere. It's not anywhere. And so traditionally, many books of scripture have deified people who had attained enlightenment. Mm. They took out any piece that said, ah, they're a bit too human there. Ah, they mm. had desires there. Let's take that out. Let's scratch that out. This has happened mm -hmm. for hundreds of years, for thousands of years, um, where, where the stories and then the printed version of, of spiritual leaders has been modified. Yes. And then it got turned into a commercial racket. Somehow it became marketed as a message, as, hey, you should go for this. Mm -hmm. Now, if your mind mm -hmm. is going for enlightenment, 
forget it, go live your life, have great experiences. Mm. But if something is burning inside you and you have no option, all right. That's when spirituality is beginning to unfold Mm. and to follow that inner fire. And it will be uncomfortable. It's no fun, but there's nothing you can do about it because it's when your essence, your divinity, or that which has no name has a stronger pull than the me story to keep defending yourself. Mm. It's like, well, what do you want to invest in? What do you want to invest in? And so, so the problem, I think, with traditional spirituality and one of the beautiful, great transitions that's going on in our time right now is we get to clean up our act a little bit. Mm. Can we be more honest as spiritual leaders instead of, yes, there is bliss, no thought is believed and I'm divine and everything I do is right because, because I can gift you awakening. What a load of bullshit. Mm. It's a bullshit. It's an inner journey and any of our jobs is only to mirror, to mirror and help every student, every seeker, every client to recognize their own belief system. What is it that makes me still invest in my thoughts to the degree that I am investing in them? Because thoughts is is what causes suffering, you know? In terms of thoughts, Hmm. um, for someone who might be listening and they might say to you, well, Jack, I... I can't seem to get off of this train of thinking, mm. right? It, it just, it sounds great, but I can't freaking do it. It just, the thoughts don't stop. And the more I try to stop them, the more they, they, they just continue. And so someone who feels, seems maybe addicted to those thoughts, or they're just in some compulsive uh, relationship with those thoughts, how can, what do they do? How, where do they start? How do they yeah. provide some guidance there? Yeah. There's lots of things they can do. And it's important to try everything because something will work for a while. It will lose its juice and then try something else and see if that works. One thing that really works for most people is singing. 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 Chanting. It's very potent. It's very potent. It does something neurologically to change from the broken record loop. That's one thing. Another thing is to have so much love and compassion for yourself that you're like, a, I don't know, a, you can encase your mind with understanding and empathy and love. Because if you're fighting your thoughts, if you're fighting your mind, you're adding fuel to the fire. Mm. But to say, oh, you beautiful mind, you're running that story again. Hey, hey, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. If you can bring that softness and comfort, what, what's happening is that you're bringing heart energy into, um, into the story that you're regurgitating in your mind. We all do that. We all have repetitive thoughts when our neural pathways decide, hey, I want to keep running this one. I'm going to just keep running this one. It's like, okay, can we, can we heal this groove? Love, understanding, forgiving others. And here's the tough one, forgiving ourselves. Mm. Forgiving ourselves. There was, a, mm. there was a phrase that I used to use 
um, when I was on the path working with forgiveness. And it's like, actually, I need to forgive myself. It's, it's, it's what I'm doing to myself. I'm hurting myself by running these thoughts. This is actually because I don't love myself enough. That's why I'm willing to torture myself with these ongoing loops. That breakthrough is really important because what happens is our attention goes from our brain down into our torso. And we start to be more in our bodies, more present. Mm. And in that place, the phrase that really helped me is, I forgive myself this incarnation. Mm. Forgiveness gives me the freedom to be. What if someone, they, they might feel like they've done something, let's say um, a parent, and they abandoned their child, you know, yes. and they felt, they feel so bad about that, or, or they abuse someone, or, and, and they just, they're like, Jack, but I feel I did something so bad that I just can't, I know I should, but I just can't forgive myself for the pain I caused. Yes. Yes. Is there a way to, how do they get, how, yes. how, do, how does one get in there? Because like, I want to bring loving to myself, but I, I just can't do it. I don't yes. deserve it, you know? So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a belief of being unworthy at a core level, not deserving. You, mm. you named it absolutely correctly. And so, and so there would have been experiences prior to the abuse Mm. The earlier experiences where you learned, I'm unworthy, I don't deserve love. That is what gave rise for you to make that choice mm. to hurt somebody else. Mm. So it's never just the incident. It's like if we behaved in, in a way that with hindsight we know was awful, it was the best we knew at the time. Yeah. And coming to that point of acceptance, it's like, that was a very plausible option to really hurt somebody else at that time. I need to accept it, that that was the best I could do. Given the options, that's the one I chose. So something in me said that's the best option right now, whether it was a fear of being powerless and we needed to abuse our own power on somebody else. Mm. Like, all right, if we accept that that was the best I knew, now what gave rise? What are all the unconscious things? That's where we got to go. What are all the unconscious things that gave rise to me choosing to abuse my power over another one? Because that's what we do. We abuse our power. And that's ethics, mm. you know, the right use of power. Mm. And, and it's our own powerlessness that makes us want to abuse power, to give us a break from being powerless because we can feel power. But of course, it bites us in the ass. You know, and and finding our personal power, our birthright power, regardless of status, regardless of, you know, cultural power or disempowerment. It's like, can we push those aside? Your personal power, that is your birthright. In each of us, that needs to be owned, understood. And if we work from there and we own it, we don't need to project it on others. It stops us from hurting each other if we embrace our personal power and make friends with it. I love that, that you're speaking to this. I, I, when I was going through your website, um, 
there was uh, the the spiritualintegrity.org. Yeah. Um, I really love seeing that because over the years, maybe we can speak to this too, there have been there've been spiritual teachers, enlightened mystics, masters, you know, yes. famous folks that some of the stuff that I've heard that yes. have happened you know, doesn't seem that enlightened. That's right. And so I, w- I would love for you to speak to, because it doesn't sound like enlightenment prevents suffering or enlightenment is necessarily perfection on the human level, and yet it, it's marketed that way. And it's so when we, when we hear these sort of enlightened gurus, yet they're, you know, having sex with underage, you know, kids That's or right. this or that or, or, or right. just abuse of power, it, it seems like such a juxtaposition, just, just conflict. And so I guess the question is, how can someone who is enlightened be doing such things? Yes. Could you yeah. break and, that down? Yeah. And I think part of it is is how how scripture has removed the the human evolution of spiritual leadership mm. and we want to believe that the buddha and jesus were absolutely faultless infallible you know if we look at those two traditions we want to believe that the teacher that we choose is god incarnate mm. and there's no um There's no models yet. And this is where I think, you know, in these times of where we're getting our act together, we need to look at spiritual leadership. Other sectors are looking at, you know, social inequality, gender inequality. Like, what are we doing within our sector? We're not taking it on board yet. And we still have, it's not just in the past, we still have teachers who are raping and abusing their students. And it's such a mess because so often loyalty is cultivated between the teacher and student. And so many teachers recognize that loyalty can be exploited. Mm. And when they haven't sorted out their own crap and they don't recognize that, hey, your human evolution is an ongoing process. When that is denied, which it has been done in many scriptures, Mm. when that's denied, of course, the dysfunction has to come out. Mm. We have no accountability. We've no checks and balances. There are no code of ethics. There is no way for a student to tell a teacher, hey, you know, what you did is not okay. St- mm. Teachers and leaders don't look for feedback. Mm. And in that ASI, Association for Spiritual mm. Integrity, we're looking to see what was in the culture that gave rise to these bad practices that continue today. Mm. What gave rise to it? And can we put those things in place so that future generations will be um, more responsible and accountable for their humanness? and that they will have support systems for their ongoing growth. What about peer-to-peer support? What about going for psychotherapy? Mm-hmm. Like, since I've stopped believing thoughts, I have attended psychotherapy, of course I have. I do have peer support, I do have. Like, how arrogant it would be of me to imagine that my humanness isn't growing, isn't part of nature. 
which has this ongoing cycle of, of, you know, throwing up blind spots for further clarity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, um, you know, it's about breaking that authoritarian model, the patriarchy model, about bringing in, hey, the vulnerability that so many spiritual leaders have needed to hide behind, which caused them to abuse their power. That vulnerability, can, can we house that in a safe way so that it comes in as a, a normal, uh, grounded, mature mechanism that is part of what we have to manage as spiritual leaders? So that's what, that's what we're trying to do. Can we model something different? Because the, the spiritual leaders who want to join the ASI are ones who might be on the edge of like, whoa, gosh, it really helps me actually to have a code of practice so that I keep myself clear and growing and I can honor um, my humanness. But the ones who are behaving badly, oh no, they're beyond a code of ethics, mm. you know, because, because there's too much pain there for them to surrender their power and for them to go into the situation of, I've been abusing power because I've been sleeping with my students and talking them into, hey, you know, this will uh, this will assist your enlightenment. I'm giving you gold, you know. Um, Are they enlightened? I mean, they, they claim to be enlightened, but but is that? It's not embodied. They've, it's not they've embodied. Had, no. They've had an experience. Could you explain? They've that? had they've an had- experience. They have the concepts, but it's not embodied. No, they haven't laundered out their own humanness. Mm-hmm. It, it's not good enough. And, you know, I suppose personally, I feel it would be terrible, a, a terrible demise of, of, of spiritual leadership if an external body were to bring in, you know, certification. Or it's like, can we get our shit together ourselves from yeah. within, please? Yeah. Let's yeah. do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because sooner or later, there will be licensing if we don't come up with a way to be better human beings to operate with kindness, mm. compassion, and respect for others, and to be willing to say, I don't know, I need to refer, I have no clue. Yes, your complaint against me is correct. I had a blind spot. It's very few spiritual leaders who are willing to apologize to their students. Very few. And, you know, I have a friend who's, um, who's doing some research into narcissistic personality disorder. And in his research, he said, my conclusion is moving towards 15% of all spiritual leaders have narcissistic personality disorder. 15 or 15? One five. One five. five Because it attracts them. It attracts the all about me. There is no need for empathy. I'm superior. Me, myself, I... Because, because I have these concepts nailed and I've had a good glimpse and I've seen the truth. I've never come back into life and explored my own down and dirty. I can teach because I'm kind of wonderful. You know? so, so we have this inability for self-reflection in, a, in a, a narcissistic personality disorder. And that also has compounded it. So we have the narcissistic types of personalities and we have those who have believed the, the marketing that's embedded in scripture 
around the perfection and the denial of humanness, mm. where abuse of power can be in the name of awakening, therefore totally beyond accountability. Mm. You see, mm. there's a huge cultural shift that needs to happen within spiritual yeah. leadership. Yeah, it's so important. It's I love so that you're bringing important. this because what I'm really hearing is, you know, enlightenment isn't perfection. Uh, no. on a personality level. And I think there is this misconception. If you're enlightened, you're perfect and everything you do is perfect. So it must be perfect. And, and so, you know, the, the, the accountability for the sort of enlightened masters yes. hasn't been there because, not, oh, he's doing something right. a little That's off. Right. There must be some That's spiritual right. teaching behind yes. what he's doing. Yes. He's serving my soul. It's like, no, he's, yes. being, he's being an idiot, you know? He's, maybe he's just an asshole. Yeah, maybe he's an asshole. Yeah, and, and I think that the integration um, and yes. the embodied integration is so is so important. Yeah, you, men you mentioned something about psychiatric illness. Yes, and, and awakening. Yes, and and I really want you to speak more to that because I have seen many folks who have bipolar or start feeling like or they're diagnosed as they're losing their mind and going crazy. Yes, but they have had some kind of awakening. Yes. Um, even let's just bring someone to like those moments years ago, a couple of years ago, when I was listening to Kanye West, the rapper, yes. Yes. Being, being interviewed. And everyone's uh -huh. like, he's nuts. He's crazy. But I was, when I was listening to some of his interviews, I'm like, this dude is kind of tapped into uh -huh. uh, another reality. Now, maybe something hasn't integrated yet in the sort of physiology and the nervous system. Um, but I think there might be a lot of folks that, are falsely diagnosed in some way, which makes them crazier. And so could you speak about that and how someone who may be having these experiences can, can integrate those experiences in a way so they don't have to yeah. keep going off the deep end? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Super. I'm so glad you brought up this point. It's rarely spoken about. Mm -hmm. um, and Stan Groff has coined a phrase, spiritual emergency. And you think you're having a medical or a psychiatric emergency. You should be in an emergency room, but actually it's an emergence of your spiritual nature. Now, what I have found when I was working in that field, what I had found was it, it couldn't integrate if there is a core belief, I am not safe on the planet. Hmm. So when an insight comes, when a glimpse comes, or you go, whoa, this is a freaking matrix, I get it, I get it. Now, for that to embody, there needs to be a solid ground of it is safe for me here. Hmm. Because if that's not in place, if you believe, no, it's not safe, get me out of Dodge, actually, as soon as I can. If I could press a button and leave, I'd leave. For people who want to beam me up, Scotty, and if their glimpse comes, very often it will lift them into a dissociated, it will lift them into an unintegrated, disembodied awakening. Mm. And that's on the borderline of, oof, that could be met by a spiritual leader who will bring you down, a healer who will bring you down, or, a, you know, somebody who's not a holistic psychiatric practitioner will put you on meds. Mm. There's a big difference of where your path goes, depending on which of those three routes opens up for you. Yeah. yeah. And so, so it's got to do with I am safe. Mm -hmm. I am safe. Mm 
if if I feel safe, then I won't scoot away into that other dimension and ignore this one. It's about, hey, hey, bring that insight. How can you bring that insight into how you make breakfast, into how you brush your teeth? How can you bring that insight? What, what does that lens of perception add to in your daily life, in normal, normal daily, daily stuff that we all do? And, and to bring it in that way requires you to feel safe in your body. That's the deal breaker. It goes into psychosis if you don't feel safe in your body. Are there any things people can do within themselves to, to create that? Within, it's useful within, their, for, within their body? Mm, it's useful for every, every listener to go, actually, do I believe I'm safe? Do I believe I'm safe all the time? Do I trust that I'm capable of getting myself out of danger if real danger shows up? Or do I live with anxiety all the time, watching out to see and to, to be ahead of, of danger? Do I live in anticipation of danger? That'll give you ongoing anxiety. Hmm. So it, it means like if there's anxiety, hey, there's a signal of a belief that I'm not safe. And so using whatever means, and there's so many tools out there now for anxiety, which is wonderful from like breathing to tapping, a gazillion things in between. What about dropping right in and like, okay, what would it take for me to trust that I am safe? Can I trust myself? And when we drop down in that, that way into our feet and we're here and we're confident about being here and we trust ourselves to be here and to manage to know that we are capable. So moving towards I am capable, I am safe. Really watch, am I operating in, in anticipation of danger right now? Or am I calm and trusting that this present moment is safe? This is the work. This is the work. So when an opening comes, it will integrate as you go and it won't go into psychosis. And if we've had a psychotic trip, or if we've been diagnosed with bipolar. It's like, hey, have a look at safety. Can you bring in the insights that you've had when you tripped out? Can you bring in some wisdom of that here? Can you? Maybe you did walk through a wall. I used to be able to do that shit. Hmm. And thankfully, thankfully, hmm. there's nobody, there was nobody around me who said, you're going crazy, like as in you need a psychiatrist. If somebody had pointed me in that route, I think my life's journey would have been very different. But instead, they said, you need to go to an energy healer. I'm like, what's an energy healer? I didn't have a clue. Mm -hmm. So I was luckily directed into a way that, that allowed me to heal. And I was already very open because I'd done an awful lot of psychotherapy. I was like, okay, it's something in me. I need to make sense of, of these non-physical realms that could be psychosis. Mm -hmm. I need to make sense of them in my day-to-day -day living. How do I integrate these two realities? And you can only do it if you feel safe. Otherwise, it'll be one or the other, one or the other. And there is another version of that, isn't there, with spiritual leadership. It's like, no, my humanness doesn't matter because I'm all powerful and I'm an instrument of the divine. It's like, could you integrate a little bit? <laughs> could you like, <laughs> yeah. So, so here it is, no, similar pattern in two different, sectors you know, you know you, you're speaking on something too because in spirituality sometimes we hear like 
the world is an illusion. You know, it's, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's an illusion. It's a dream. It's not real. Yes. And yet I feel it can be used as a spiritual bypass in a certain yeah. way. And mm-hmm. so like for those that have heard all of this is Maya, it's all illusion. None of it's real. None of it matters. Uh, it doesn't really exist. Yet in the world, there seems to be, I mean, a lot of suffering, you know, human trafficking, yes. Um, yes. racism, yes. pedophilia. I mean, That's right. shit that is. Dark like, shit. Dark yeah. shit. With like yeah. real dark shit, you know? Yeah. And so when we hear, there's only that God, I'm that, this is that, everything is that, there's only God, yet there's two-year-olds getting raped and yes. so-and-so is getting, you know, chopped up and kidnapped. Yes. And That's right. That's I right. need you to break that down. Yeah. You know, how do we reconcile? Yeah. yeah. There's only God, there's only one, everything yeah. is God, and yet yeah. this dark stuff is happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So our question, one of our questions there might be, mm-hmm. am I using this is all illusion, to avoid what I don't want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. And if spirituality is an avoidance of anything, okay, it's getting stinky now. Mm-hmm. It's getting stinky. I would love to see spiritual leaders dealing with their own shadow, our own shadow, to such an extent that what's in the shadow for humanity at large, we can inform and play a more active role in the world. But instead, what are we doing? We're in ashrams, we're in silence, we're disconnecting because it's not real. Like, really, what a load of crap. You know, in terms of like, I know, actually, and I'm not unique. Like, I know it's not real, but yet I care deeply. I know it's real, and I know it's not real. And the two lenses of perception are here together. That's where I'm at. Will it change again? I have no clue. My perspective has changed many times. But I don't see that the world is Maya and not real and it doesn't matter. I don't see that cancelling out my lens of perception that says it is real. Everything matters. Hmm. Everything matters. So, So the two of them are here together. And that's, I think... For me, that's what embodiment presented. Nothing is too dense or too dual or, you know, I don't need to avoid it with spiritual concepts. And so the role for spiritual leaders to bring light to where there is real pain and suffering has yet to be activated. Don't we have a duty of care? I feel we do have a duty of care in the world. I do feel that we need, like other sectors, to get our shit together. I do believe we do have, we, we do have that responsibility and to influence and play a more active role. Because what insights come from our divinity, from where presence, what does presence have to say about climate change? Presence doesn't say, oh, it doesn't matter. Let the human race blow up because it's going to, you know, make its make its own environment uninhabitable. Like, no, divinity pours forth love and compassion infinitely. It wants to love. It wants to help its own manifestation. It wants to be passionate and caring and giving. 
that's why we're drawn to gifting and service. That's, that becomes our purpose to help others as we spiritually awaken. That's the only thing that starts making sense in terms of our role in the world. And that tells us something. Now, if our brain wants to say, well, I'll help people to awaken, screw the rest of it, it's not real. So your students aren't real either. So your teachings aren't real either. Oh, no, that's really important. Ah, I see. And so when we pick and choose spiritual concepts in order to avoid stuff, I smell BS. And so it's about, hey, blow it wide open. Let the laws of duality come to us. How do I respond to poverty, to where capitalism is dysfunctional, to systemic racism, to the examples that you gave, pornography, pedophilia? Like, where, where, do, we, where do we draw the line here? What is it that, that stops us from engaging in the world? Why are we hiding on our meditation cushion? And it's because we haven't done the work inside ourselves. Because we haven't embraced our own humanness enough. We don't see our own weak spots. We don't take responsibility for our own ignorance of the world. And so we have the either or, you know? A disembodied enlightenment. And then, of course, marketing that, yes, there's bliss, suffering stops. It's like, well, how you view it changes. Mm. And that means there's less suffering as a result. That's the consequence. How there you, is less suffering. How you view it changes. I really, yes. I really like that. I really yes. want people to really get that. How you view it changes. The yes. relationship with it changes. It doesn't mean it stops, That's but right. how we perceive it changes. And as a result, maybe our experience of it shifts. So, yes. If, if presence is, as you say, pouring this love, compassion, why does bad shit happen? You know, like I, I, maybe people are wondering, like, well, if that's the case, why yes. is presence pouring this bad shit into my life? Like, is yes. there a, I mean, bad as a, you know, language is relative, but not so great things, evil, bad, um, painful. Yep. Sure. What, does it yeah. serve a purpose? Why does it happen? Yeah. Because you know, someone might be saying, well, you know, that guy over there, nothing but good shit seems to happen to them. And, yeah. and, and I lost my kid. This shit happens. That happens. I get a disease. And so is there a purpose for evil, bad, negative? Yeah. Speak to yeah. that. Yeah. I'm throwing some easy questions. This you it's, oh, it's fun, Kush. It's great. I love these questions. This dimension, this human experience is about having experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that which puts you here, that which is playing as you and I, nothing is lost from that perspective. Mm. Nothing is lost. It's like it's creating this outpost of the divine in order to imagine that something else is happening. It's chalking up experiences because it can. And at that level, of where the movement to show up in manifestation happens, there is no price being paid. However, the manifestation itself has this capacity to take the experiences as real, and the deeper the experience, the more suffering involved. Because our deepest experiences are the ones that hurt the most. 
we can have joy and laughter and fun, but man, the ones you're going to really think about are the ones that are painful. They're the ones that are going to just chew on you. So we have a way of perpetuating negative experiences. And without that, that love of experiencing, without it, then this dimension wouldn't really work. It wouldn't work because we wouldn't get the chance to imagine that we're something except the divine. And we really can believe that we're individuals. We fall for it. We, the divine, totally believes that we're splintered off and that we have to work our way back. We fall for it. We all do it. All of us, you know, and, and there's the game. And it's through experiences that that flow can be made plausible, believable. That's what life is, no? It's that series of experiences where we move from pain towards peace and resolution and calm. And so there's this motivating factor. And then there's nature and our human evolution that's moving through it also. And it's, it's like it's this cycle, you know? And if we just looked at winter in cold places, everything is dead. Everything is dead. Everything has fallen away. It's dead. But of course it's not. It's just resting and closing down until the cold snap finishes. And then we'll come again in the spring. And we have this resilience also in spades to arise from our experiences, to recognize that our experiences do not define who we are. And to recognize through spiritual awakening, through enlightenment, that, wow, those experiences were exquisite. Even rape, no matter how severe our experiences, somehow they're part of an exquisite tapestry to taste what it is to imagine that you're having an individual life. And that individual life is exquisite and must be respected and honored because it is still the divine in form. Somewhere it's exquisitely beautiful and it has all of these layers of it's pure crap. Something can be learned from it. We go down a bit deeper. Oh, my God, it can actually transform me right through to, wow, there was actually wisdom in it. Shame it hurts so much, but there was a wisdom in it. Let's find that gem mm. and let it go. Take what we need and let it go. Mm. And this is a life journey to, to move through our experiences and process in this way. Mm. And so... The wider our viewpoint, the more we have realized spiritually, the more our awakening glimpses have deepened, the more we get to understand how the big picture holds and supports the small picture of our life and our capacity to make each other suffer. And each of us is responsible for changing that. And if if we heal our capacity to suffer deeply and to hang on to suffering and to cause suffering within ourselves, we gain understanding as to why suffering happens in the world. Because we've got more wisdom with which we can view, oh, that's somebody who must feel powerless, perhaps, because that's an abuse of power. And, you know, without projecting an understanding, we have options to view it in another way of what possibly can be happening for other people. 
And in doing so, we get to see why there is so much pain in the world. We get wiser. We get wiser as we heal ourselves. And compassion, you know. And, and compassion. Yeah. Compassion grows. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I have just a couple more questions. I feel like yeah, I could sure. speak to you forever. Just thank you for just being so generous with your energy. No, it's great because we're, we're uh, weaving through so many topics. I love this, Kush. I love it. Um, it's great fun. Enlightenment, awakening. Uh, you mentioned when you were awakening, it was hard for you to function. Mm. And, and like, how do I have a conversation and how do I speak and, you know, chit chat. And I think that's a fear that people have of like, mm. how the hell am I going to freaking function in life? Yeah. Like I got to pay the bills. I got three kids. I, you know, I, I have a career. I can't just not talk. And yeah. so I think there's, there's, that, there's always that fear of, well, how would I get yes. shit done? How would I yes. make things happen? How would I manifest in the world yes. without me? Right. Yes. And so this, this, this mechanism. And so how will someone be able to succeed in the world yeah. without an eye to, to, to make things happen? Yeah. Speak to that. Yeah. Back to the times that we're in this, this great transition that's ongoing. The model of how we awaken is changing. Mm. I'm part of the old school of like, go to an ashram, pull away, get rid of everything. Mm. We're old fogies, those of us who had to do that. We're old fogies. <laughs> Integrating as you go is what has come. And the internet has been hugely beneficial for that because the teachings are widely available. There was no YouTube when I was on this path. There, mm. I, I had no clue. I was figuring it out as I was going. And so because there is information available, you don't have to go to India and study with a guru. You don't have to do that anymore. Some will, but it will be a minority. Integrating as we go means, yeah, deal with, I've got a screaming kid in the car that I exploded on this morning. It's like, this is part of your awakening. How you respond to this is, is part of your awakening. This is the lesson. You know, I remember having a conversation with somebody when I was in India. And I was in the throes of managing my mind. It was before the self-referencing shut off. And I remember talking to somebody else who was as dedicated as I was at the time mm -hmm. um, and saying, do you ever think that if, if we stayed in life and had kids or, you know, had regular jobs, would that have been easier or more difficult than the life we have now, which is I have nothing going on except meditating 24-7? And we both agreed Give me staying in life because at least there's distraction. Mm -hmm. At least there's friggin' glass of wine. Mm -hmm. At least there's mm -hmm. some distraction from it. It's like you get to live and then you get to do your spiritual practice and you can bring them closer. When I was, tw we were 24 seven watching our mind. Oh my God, the intensity of it. It's like it had bells and whistles and a mega microphone. <laughs> because there was nothing else going on except the chaos and the crap in our mind and in our emotions and clearing and clearing and clearing. And it was a one track thing. And we yearned for diversion. But I knew that for my path, I have to stay on track because diversion for me is a distraction. That's part of the old model. Mm. 
Mm. But the new model is integrate as you go. If only once a day you get it like a, okay, I need to be present. I need to be present. Fantastic. Fantastic. Because I went out and I had to work really hard to come back in. Mm. Like that might have taken just as long, maybe even longer than integrate as you go while you're doing your day job, while you're serving at Starbucks, whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is you're doing, honor it. Be mindful. Say yes to whatever it is, because there is nothing in life that will inhibit your awakening. There is no lifestyle. It's like the lifestyle that you have right now. That's the perfect one. The universe doesn't really screw up, but we imagine that it screws up. We imagine we've got a raw deal. If we drop that thought and said, yes, yes to how my life is right now. It's like, okay, what are you teaching me here? What are you teaching me here? Ask that question a gazillion times a day. What have I to learn here from this situation? Keep self-referencing in terms of what, what beliefs are still running? What preferences, what desires are running? Can I drop them? Can I be with what is and say yes to this moment? Can I, at the same time, not be a victim? and honor my personal power and be accountable to myself to be the best version of me I can be in the most honest way I can. So spiritual practices are changing. We need books to, to guide us towards wake up and integrate as you go, as you go. <clears throat> and, and this new model, I believe, will be much healthier, much healthier. I love it. I love it. And so I don't know if I answered your question or not. No, but no, I I love that. And, and so just the fear of well, how will I will if I awaken? Will I will I get things done? If mm. I let if I let go of this mm. sense of me mm. that's driven me, because for, for a lot of people, this identity is part of what has helped them become successful, make money, become mm. famous, and now you're saying, well, let go of this 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 sense yes. and so i just want to speak to that fear inside of people yeah you know yeah. Will, will things get done will will yeah. they still be a successful yeah. will yeah one thing that's useful is surrender the little me to what you really are surrender mm -hmm. personal will to divine will mm -hmm. because really you are the divine will mm -hmm. you're you really are in the driving seat now, you can either trust your mind to be in the driving seat, but actually your mind is going to be the problem. And your mind will say, whoa, whoa, put me into a situation where I'm not in control. Fear. Let's crank up fear. Fear. You'll fall apart. You won't be able to pay the bills. You'll be homeless. But that's what your mind will say, because it cannot imagine what it's like without it being in control. So it has to pay, paint the worst case scenario for you. But that's a story. That's a story. But put things in place. I put things in place to, and I had a budget that I had to live off every year when I was in India. Yeah, I took those steps. I wasn't thinking for the long-term future, but I, I had common sense. And so, you know, it's like use your common sense adult wisdom to guide your way on. The thought that if you lose the plot, everything will be destroyed in your life, that's a thought. That's a thought. You can obey that thought and stay stuck, or you can go, 
you know what? I'm going to call its bluff. I'm going to call its bluff. Let's see if my life gets turned upside down and inside out and goes to hell. Let's see. I'm going to call its bluff because there is faith and trust and an honoring of your willingness to go into the unknown. It's got to kick in sooner or later where we like, whom do I trust? Do I trust my divine nature to guide my way on or do I trust my mind? And how, how can my mind serve my divine nature? Because for most people, my mind is in charge. My divine nature gives me a bit of peace when I tap into it or I mm. listen to some spiritual podcast like this. I, you know, I can tap into that. But actually, the real show in town is my life and the me, myself, I. It's like, no, it's not. That's the movie. That's, that's created from your life story. And underneath that, your divine essence is directing everything. But you're listening to your mind and your divine essence is silently maneuvering everything. But you've got this overlay, this other radio that's playing louder on top. Mm. Like, okay, but your mind wants to believe it's in control. It's not doing anything. It's not doing anything. <laughs> it's completely superfluous to what's moving all of this anyway. Mm. That's a leap of faith. Yeah. That needs a bit of courage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But many times, you know, I think when we do make that leap of faith, life often works unfolds beyond you know maybe not quite what we expected but what beyond and differently than what we could imagine yeah. sometimes even better you know? sometimes better yeah. and some it really goes down a rabbit hole of of suffering it yeah. can go either way there's no guarantee yeah. yeah there's no guarantee no there's no guarantee yeah. and that's the level of letting go that is asked of us in this awakening process mm. but keep common sense on track keep common sense on track Love it. I love it. You know? Final question. Um, <clears throat> if there were, you said so much today, we've covered a lot, I really feel, different, different elements and areas. Yeah. If there were, let's say, if you look at your life experience in this life, um, ups, downs, travels, uh, spiritual practices as a teacher, if there were, let's say, three of the most... Um, resonant, important things that if you could only share these three keys or things, ideas with the next generation that you feel would evolve, like as a gift, you know, this, these are the three ideas I feel would evolve the next generation consciousness the most. I'm curious what those three concepts or ideas would be. Mm. Just whatever comes yeah. to mind. Yeah. Fall in love with your humanness. Mm. See where that love affair takes you. And honor it humbly and brutally, honestly. That would be one that gives space for vulnerability, for transparency, for accountability, for compassion for ourselves, which then will bleed out to others. Second one might be for each of us to find out which force is stronger, good or evil. And I did that deep dive in a very rough way. Mm. Um, and, and I discovered actually, oh my gosh, it, it, it really 
when I step back into the divine, it is love that's there and, and evil and darkness only shows up in dimensions that are already deep in, in, in the realm of experiencing. That as we drop into the stillness within us, there is no evil or dark motivating force there. It's a consequence, evil and darkness, you know, shadow side or abuse of power. It, it has to do with experiencing and misinterpreting the function of experience and our humanness. Mm. And so, and so for each of us to recognize, not to grab the idea because it's comfortable, but to gain the wisdom of knowing that good is actually infinite and that evil is very limited. It's very limited. It's very potent where it is active, but its bandwidth where it can access is, is very small. It's very small. That would be the second one, to, to know and recognize that good always is more potent than evil. What would be the third one? Don't be afraid to apologize. Allow yourself to get things wrong. And taking that a step further, celebrate the exploration of your blind spots. When you screw up, celebrate it because this is how we grow. This is what opens ourselves to a, ourselves to a deeper awakening. Celebrate how you suffer. Celebrate the insights that you get from that suffering. Celebrate where you screw up. Celebrate it. When, when, when I used to get caught in something, it really helped me to, to, to say, okay, it's hell right now. This is awful. This suffering is so intense, but I know I'm going to gain an insight and I'm going to start celebrating that already. And it really helped to like, already I'm starting to come out because something is willing to open to the learning while I was still blind to what landed me in the soup. Something was opening to the learning. It's like, I need to find a way to celebrate what I'm going to learn from this. I have no clue yet, but there is a learning here. There's always a learning. And if we can celebrate when we fall, hold that wisdom in place of like, oh, I did the wrong thing there. All right. Okay. Come on. Come on. Where's the learning? Where's the learning? Where was the blind spot for me to do it? Is the blind spot that... I need to forgive myself for screwing up. What, what can I learn from this? Because it feels bloody awful. So how can I learn from this? And to celebrate our growth spurts by celebrating when we fall. Love it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Folks, you heard the three keys to Echo Keefe. Um, trust you inspired everyone from today's conversation. Uh, Jack, could you just maybe assign everyone like a simple, I mean, you've said some things, but if there's like one simple practice, 30 seconds, 10 seconds, it's just a simple thing that people can just apply from this conversation before they even push stop right now. Is there one practice that they can do? Make a decision right now on what one random act of self-love would be. Mm. 
and that you'll do it straight after listening to this podcast. A random act of self-love and do it, execute it. Mm. When, when, we, when we show that love and compassion for ourselves, our heart begins to open. If it opens towards ourselves, then in loving ourselves, we're able to love others. It's always with ourselves. So make a decision right now. What would be a really self-loving thing to do? Really self-loving. And give yourself that gift, no matter how simple. And enjoy it. And let yourself love yourself right now. Beautiful. Folks, you heard it. Random act of self-love. Random act of self-love. Jack, this has been a beautiful conversation. I've just loved just jamming with you and traveling with you during this uh, Soul Talk episode. Your, 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 your love and your empathy and your heart just so shines through. And I just really felt you. And so thank you for coming on, just being you. What's the best way people can find out about you and your work? And I'd love for everyone to, to be able to connect with you. Yeah. Thank you for your kind words, Kush. Thank you. Um, jackokeefe.com is my website and Jack O'Keefe channel on YouTube. On Sundays, I do a 90-minute Truth Serum Cafe, which, you know, has some checkbox, but it's mostly a practice mm. and uh, a deep dive into those realms of consciousness that we don't live in usually. And then I usually give tools on how to integrate those seeings. And that's on every Sunday. Um, check out my website and come to that. If somebody wants a, an ongoing deep dive, that's a beautiful gathering. And, um, and other than that, my newsletter can tell people, you know, of what's going on and everything that's new and new offerings that are available. And the two books, as you mentioned earlier, Born to be Free and How to Be a Spiritual Rebel. They're tools as well. Thanks so much. Thank you. Just sending you so much love, folks. It was an amazing episode today. Uh, do me a favor, everyone. Share this episode with everyone in your life that you feel would enjoy it. Uh, send me an email, kubblackson at kubblackson.com. I'd love to hear your key takeaways from today's episode. And I would love to hear uh, any experiences you had from uh, Jack's homework assignment, Random Act of Self-Love. Until then, much love. Love now. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Kush. Thank you so much. Big hugs. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.